Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue. Every relationship begins with you, the podcast, and I am so excited about today because today we are going to start a series on what's called the Drama Triangle. Okay, the drama triangle is uh, basically a pretty severe codependent relationship. You have two codependents in a relationship. One is the rescuer, one is the victim, which means one is rescuing, enabling the other, why the other is normally, the victim is normally the taker, which is more on the narcissistic side of codependency. So remember, you know, not everybody, we throw the word narcissist out there like it's nothing. And there are so many narcissists uh, in this world as we know. But one thing we don't know, most of us, is that not everybody that has narcissistic tendencies is a full-blown narcissist. So, but in the drama triangle, there is the narcissistic side of that codependency, which plays the role of victim. And then there's the codependent that is the rescuer, that is the enabler. Um, and then that third party on this drama triangle is called the persecutor. And I'm going to describe each role today. And we're going to, you know, and, and I'm going to start to give you a background. Let's say this is probably going to take me three series to really get you to understand the drama triangle. So, but let me start by saying that the dra drama triangle was actually brought into psychotherapy everywhere in the, I believe, 1960s. Um, by a psychotherapist named Dr. Karpman. I did not make the drama triangle up. I did not. I am not the founder of the drama triangle. Thank you, dear Dr. Karpman, for figuring this out. Because I can tell you what, every marriage relationship that I deal with that is very unhealthy, toxic, they're involved in the drama triangle. All of my relationships come to me and there's a fear dance going on, okay? And yes, the fear dance is part of the drama triangle. Stick with me. But the drama triangle, the main difference of the drama triangle is um, the persecutor is usually very, very narcissistic, right? And there's a lot of rage involved in different things. So, um, but I don't want to confuse you anymore. Let's just get going. And I want to talk about, again, like the three different roles so you understand exactly what, you know, how this works. So now the three roles rotate, okay? So there's the victim, the persecutor, the rescue, rescuer. And each role has this specific behavior, beliefs, perceptions, and payoffs. Because remember, every role, there's a payoff. What is the payoff? I don't know. I don't know. It depends upon each, you know, different codependent, but there is a payoff. We're going to get into it. Um, I, I want you to know something else is that normally you, your habitual role is started in childhood, right? And you'll normally like, I was a rescuer enabler. And that was what I did throughout my whole entire childhood and carried into adulthood. So whatever role you kind of, you know, relate with here, it would have started in childhood. Now keep also in mind, we all become the persecutors. So let's look at the persecutor role to begin with, right? So um, it's basically says, it's all your fault. See what you made, um, see what you made me do. What that means is, okay, I have to persecute you because it's all your fault. See what you made me do. See what you made me do. If I, if you wouldn't have made me do that, I wouldn't have had to do what I'm doing right now. It's all your fault. 
right? So that that's the print. That's a, uh, um, uh, the message behind the persecutor. The, what they're really believing. They really believe this, right? So it's it's basically the bad guy role in the drama triangle. The really bad guy role, and um, most people will try to avoid it unless they need to justify negative feelings as anger, such as rage, something like this. And in these instances, what happens? Well, they must identify some excuse to feel justified or right. Why? Because they want to um, express their negative feelings. So once they have a really good reason for making their partner feel bad, they dump all of their repressed feelings. On the partner so a lot of it is times it's like the victim isn't getting rescued the way they want to be rescued or the rescuer the victim um, or the um, what do you call it the uh, the rescuer um, is mad because the victim isn't accepting the rescue the way they want the victim to accept it there's so many different scenarios here but know this that the persecutor pays off it's basically righteous indignation it's um, uh, they will put others down by using guilt and shame. Okay, so the persecutor role, they set these unnecessarily restrictive rules and limits. They blame others for what's happening. So it's like the victim blaming you. Well, it's your fault I did this. If you would have done this and I would have done this, right? It's a big blaming. They criticize all the actions of the other person. They're very critical. This persecutor is critical. And then what happens is if it's the rescuer that's the persecutor, they what they're trying to do is keep the victim oppressed, right? So they, um, a lot of the times, one of them expresses justified and righteous anger. Um, again, the guilt, the shame is used a lot. What does this all do? What is, what is the persecutor doing while this is all going on? Well, they're provoking conflict and drama. Okay, they're taking this rigid authoritative stance and it kind of they're acting like and they're sounding like a critical parent. Um, but it, it's coming from this position of I'm OK, I'm good. You're not OK. You're bad. Now, the payoff is that they get to be right. They're justified in releasing all of their pent up bullshit, crappy emotions. And what does it do? Here's the main thing that the persecutor role does. It allows that player, either the victim or the rescuer, to remain in control and dominate the other. And so when someone rejects, you know, um, you know, the heavy handed behavior of this persecutor and they express, you know, um, their, their anger in return. Well, now this catapults them into what? The victim and victim consciousness. Now you have two victims going against each other. But however, at times... If the, if the victim, the narcissistic side of this codependency, ends up persecuting the rescuer too much, well, now they've put the rescuer in that victim role, but they're not in the victim role anymore because they've overdone it. And what do they have to do? What does the victim have to do more than anything is get back to the victim role so the rescuer will rescue them. Is this making sense? So that's when you might get that... Oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do this. I, I just, I do. I'm sorry. I just, you know, you know, everybody's against me. You know that I, blah, 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 right? And they vomit all over you. And the rescuer who is dying for that, you know, control and need of attention and not being abandoned. Okay, no worries. No worries. No worries. Right? So let's, let's look at the rescuer role. So 
they're they're basically saying i'm only trying to help you and look at how hard i've tried i've tried so hard to help you nothing's helping i've just tried and i've tried and i've tried well it's kind of the good guy role but really it's providing that rescuer with a you know like a look good opportunity okay to get their egos needs met it allows rescuing allows someone to look important competent and to feel superior bottom line rescuers act and oft acts are often sorry i'm like company what with these um what could i call them these messages that are um of like they're, they're woeful messages of self-sacrifice and their martyrdom, right? Which it's basically, it's obligating the victim in some way to stay with them. They're the martyr. The rescuer is the martyr. And they, and they use those, you know, look at what I've done for you. How could you leave me? After everything I've done for you, you're going to leave me? After all the money I've given you, you're going to leave me? After all the blah, 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 right? So they're martyrs, Right. And it's and what happens is the rescuers attempt to help someone usually, you know, fails in some very critical ways. And then this is when the victim is given permission to what? Get angry. And this is how we keep switching these roles because then the victim moves into the persecutor role and attacks the rescuer. The rescuer then switches to the victim role saying, but I was only trying to help you. <laughs> I'm laughing and it is so not fucking funny. It's so bad and it's so destructive and I've been in a drama triangle. I've been them and they're horrible. Okay. So what, 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 what Dr. Cartman and, and many psychotherapists that kept, you know, um, you know, took that theory and really, um, researched it more and studied it is what they found is and discovered is that res rescuers are basically, they're often acting out of their own unmet needs in the past to be rescued. That's the bottom line. It's a, an adverse, weird way of projection. I wanted to be rescued this way. I wasn't, so I'm going to do it. So they basically, yeah, you, you know, it's like they're basically, how do I say that? Unconsciously projecting this need from hidden and unhealed trauma, childhood trauma. And then they use it to justify others. So I wasn't rescued the, in childhood. I wanted to be rescued so badly. Nobody freaking came and rescued me. Hello, I was putting SOS, SOS out signals everywhere. I mean, I was running away, not for very long. I climbed a tree once. <laughs> I sat there for 20 minutes, was like, yeah. Uh, it's the middle of the winter in Chicago. I'm fucking freezing, nobody's coming. I guess I'll go inside. But I, I mean, I did everything, right? the suicide attempt even, and I'm not like making light of it, but whatever it was, I didn't want to die. I know that. Um, but nobody was coming. Those SOS signals were not getting <laughs> heard though. Nobody was there. So nobody rescued me. So this is, I became a rescuer and I was trying to rescue other people. So what is this? Let, let me give you some more, um, characteristics of somebody in that rescuer role. Well, they feel obligated to rescue. And most of the time, if you can believe this, you ready for this? They don't really even want to. They're not really wanting to even rescue. Can you believe it? But guess what, what, guess what keeps them going? You ready? A lot of the times it's because they're in the, a relationship with a victim who uses 
they're um if the rescuer doesn't do what they want well then i'm just gonna leave forget it if you can't help me somebody else will or you're not gonna give me this i'll find it from somebody else right so there's these this the threat of abandonment to a rescuer is so huge that they will rescue even though they don't want to so a lot of the times they do things for others um that and they're not asked to do them um right? And these people are able to do them themselves. Think of somebody that like just babies their partner, cooks for them, you know, cooks, cleans, massages their feet, gives them money. They go to work. The partner doesn't go to work, does nothing. But But the rescuer knows my spouse can work. My spouse can cook their own freaking food. My spouse can do this, but this rescuer does everything for them and then claims when the person leaves, but look at what I did for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really sucks. And then sometimes they'll feel guilty if they're not helping others. And then they act and sound like this authoritative parent, right? Keep keeping what the victim dependent on them and helpless with their rescuing. It's basically they're enabling them and keeping the victim stuck. And they're allowing it, again, all because of their low self-esteem, their low confidence, and their inability to get over their fear of abandonment, to heal their fear of abandonment, and to feel want to feel needed and loved. Okay? So they support that victim's perception of being weak and a failure. And they... Um, they expect, though, to actually fail in their attempt to rescue the victim because they know that it's never going to be good enough, right? So they avoid conflict and drama. And they come from the, I'm okay, good, you're, ba- oh, you're um, bad, you're not okay. Right? So what is the payoff to this? Well, what do they get to look like? Things that they're not, really. But they get to look strong and capable and be one up. Okay. And the ultimate payoff, you ready for what the ultimate payoff is? They become a victim when their attempts to help others don't work. They get to be the victim. And then guess what that gives them? You ready for this? Somebody to come rescue them, which is what they've always wanted to be since they were in childhood. How messed up is that? If you don't believe in childhood trauma and how it affects us, just look at this drama triangle just look at it i really want you to stay with this series okay so let's go to the final role today so you get an understanding of this it's called the victim role you know which is poor me ain't it awful ain't it awful poor me so the victim role is key in this drama triangle because the whole game revolves guess what around the victim the entire game revolves around this victim so um it is the one guess what those needs have to be met right so though if the if the one if let's say that um the victim's needs aren't getting met okay and they're 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 they have to go ask directly for what they need and they don't get it they turn into the persecutor but most of the time they find a rescuer that is actually just going to um, meet all of their needs with, without being asked they're just going to take on everything right so Um, Victims don't have to take responsibility for their behaviors or feelings. They blame whatever isn't working in their lives on someone else or something else. It's always someone else's fault. So there's two types of victims. You ready? There's the angry victim and there's the pathetic victim. 
The pathetic victim plays one down games. They hold the pity parties. They display woeful, poor me facial expressions, body language. You know, yeah, woe is me. I never get a chance. Nobody loves me. Everybody does this. Uh, shut the hell up, you jits. <laughs> I'm kidding, you should not say that, but literally that's what you want to say. Do you know a rescue wants to say, shut the hell up. They want to say it so badly. Just shut the hell up, you little miserable ant. Right now, now, think about that for a second. That is what a rescuer wants to say. How do I know that? Because I was a rescuer. And But instead of saying, shut the hell up, you little miserable ant. <laughs> what do you need what do you need from me oh you poor thing let me rescue you to make myself feel better okay that's that's the that's the um the pathetic victim okay now there's the angry victim who pretends to be powerful and what do they do the angry victim uses guilt and shame to get others to feel sorry for them and the underlying motive of this angry victim is revenge, revenge, revenge. This is the victim that is the harshest and most purposeful in their intent to do damage to the rescuer as a persecutor. Okay? And um, basically, they want someone to blame for all of their feelings and their troubles. Okay? Um, now... Always going on in the background of their minds and in their life. Always, always, always is to find a rescuer. They want to attract a rescuer. So let's let's look at the victim role. Let's get let's look at the characteristics characteristics here. They feel victimized, oppressed, helpless, hopeless, powerless, and ashamed. And they stay ashamed because they stay oppressed, helpless, hopeless, powerless. So they look for a rescuer to help perpetuate those negative self-beliefs that say, I am hopeless, oppressed, powerless, and shameless. Right? So they, the victim avoids making decisions, solving problems. They avoid taking responsibility. And they use conflict situations to play victim. They embrace or create conflict situations. It makes them in control. Right? Um, and they operate, if you're ready for this, I'm not okay, I'm bad, you're okay, good. What's their payoff? Well, guess what? They get their wants and needs met without asking because they find that rescuer all the time. And there's mar the martyrs are a special class of victims. You know, they, they're emotional vampires. And these are more which would you probably fall under a narcissist, right? They act um, out toxic, you know, dramas, they escalate into hysteria, all of it just to get what they want. And basically martyrs use their victim status to invoke extreme pity to to basically to prove that nothing can improve their situation. Nothing. Unless you give me a hundred grand. <laughs> if you give me a hundred thousand dollars, oh, shit will be great until you're asked to give the next hundred grand, right? So rather than blaming um, other people for their troubles, they, um, they might blame God or some other force, right? They are eloquent and co a committed person. They're committed to being a victim, you know? So the, the drama part of this triangle comes from the fact that the game players rotate roles, right? So it typically obviously starts out as a rescuer role 
a victim and then there's the persecutor. And usually, typically, the rescuer ends up the victim because they're victimized by the victim. That The victim wants to get back into the victim role, so then they go in for a rescue, and then it all starts over again. And it keeps, in, in, the, in, in this rapid role switching, it confuses people, right? So it disrupts their attempt to think logically and to basically express authentic emotions. They're basically gaslighting each other. This is why it's hard for sometimes when you hear of rescuers. Yes, you, they're, they're, they're not innocent. Rescuers are not innocent. They're a part of it. They have to heal. They're just rescuing for, their, for a lot of their unmet needs. Everything that I just described. There's a difference between empathy and compassion and self-abandonment for the good of yourself to feel good and in control, right? There's a huge difference here. So, um, and effective drama triangle players become really, really good at switching roles, right? Very good. They can switch roles. They can quickly, they can defend, they can protect themselves. They can deny, you know, um, uh, responsibility. They make a game out of everything. They deny everything. They blame everybody for everything else. And they both are putting up all these defenses. And the faster the roles change on this triangle, the more the drama increases. So now as, the, as your brain shorts out, because it will short out, people become, you know, more and more frustrated and angry. And at some point, the emotional intensity will peak. And then this is when, you know, somebody expresses rage, screams, loses control, and some even get violent, right? Um, and, you know, there was a, a psychotherapist, God, what was his first name? I can't remember. His last name was Byrne. I know that. And he said that there was like first degree games, there was second degree games. So the first degree game just involved making someone uncomfortable, right? Second degree games um, involved the threatening someone's safety. And third degree games were life threatening. So what keeps the game going? Let me just tell you this. Competition for the victim role keeps the game going. And I'm going to repeat it. It is competition for the victim role that keeps the drama triangle going. Each player strategizes to claim the victim role. It's the truth. It's the prize. Only from the victim role can you get others to meet your needs. That's what's so messed up about it without, you know, having to ask maybe directly. And um, you know what? With, and you don't have to really um, do much, right? Yeah. But you do. You lose. You lose so much. So... The persecutor initially feels like righteous when they're expressing their anger at the victim, but then they feel guilty after attacking someone who is weak and helpless. And then the victim can then push the persecutor's guilty button, blaming them for the lack of compassion or appreciation for the problems. Then the angry victim is justified in turning the persecutor's anger back on them. And then this act of revenge flips the persecutor into the victim role and merry-go-round. Hi, do you like a merry-go-round? I don't. I get really sick on him. And this game is a sick game. And the rescuer at times envies all the attention the victim gets without having to be, um, be held accountable. Because the victim usually has a lot of people, you know, uh, fooled. And the rescuer gets jealous of that, right? They're getting all the attention. So the rescuer's unconscious envy and their, their, their wounded ego are basically related to what? 
They're related to their own need to be taken care of and to get attention. So this unconscious yearning to be cared for provokes the rescuer into doing or saying something that causes the victim to collapse. And now this motivates the angry victim to switch to the persecutor role where they express their anger. Okay. For failing to, you know, at the rescuer for failing to do what they say. Okay. Now then the rescuer, guess what? Collapses and gets to be the new victim, which is where, guess what? The rescuer secretly wanted to be. Then the rescuer claims don't blame me. I was only trying to help. Are you confused? Are you confused? Are you confused by these unconscious agendas and associated chaos? Welcome home. Welcome to the drama triangle. And this is exactly how it feels when you're playing on that triangle. And you're being flipped out of one role and into another. And you are a participant. And if you're participating in this, seek help now, today. Like as soon as you can, because you lose in this role. You lose, 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 lose. It's the most losing game. No, there are no winners. There are no winners. In the show notes, you can, um, there's a, there's, um, a PDF that I want you to download. Click on the link, download the PDF and do it. Um, if you want to set up a 45 minute free call to see if I can help you or help your marriage relationship, go to my website, heathercatherinecarter.com. And until then, until next time, part two is coming up here, which is, you know, more of the drama triangle. Until next time, wishing you peace, love, joy, success, and happiness from the Bay Area here in San Francisco. Bye-bye. I can't do that.